Welcome to Did You Bring Earplugs, everybody? A musical misadventure with four marauding morons. Uh, and their friend, the ghost hey. of Phoebe Bridgers. Hey, Phoebe. Hi. Hey. Uh, my name's Julian Suga. My name's Mike. My name's Sasha. My name's Jillian. And for another week in a row, I'm the only one with the last name. Yep. How's everybody doing? doing great (laughs) folks uh you know we only have so much time on this earth in our corporeal corporeal forms you want to try that again uh yes um we only have so much time on this earth in our corporeal forms but we're gonna spend a lot of that time listening to music as music fans um you know you can do stuff while you're listening to music you cannot do stuff while you're listening to music you can Spend time listening to music while you're not listening to music. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just listening to the sound of the spheres. Um, that is all to say that today we're here to talk about our favorite albums that are just just too damn long. Just a little bit. We love them, but like mm-hmm. they're very very long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who wants to go first? No one's really itching. I mean, like everyone, <laughs> everyone's looking at everyone else. There's a lot of deference going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, I nominate you. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> so, mine's maybe the most unlistenable, at least according to Sasha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I picked... It's called, it's called People Screaming in a Pit. Basically. Not far off. Uh, it's... <laughs> the album is Francis the Mute by Mars Volta, which was... Holy uh, Dropped in 2005. It's just shy of 77 minutes, so wow. one hour, 17 minutes. <laughs> wow. And honestly, it could easily be parsed down to like 35 minutes. Um, so, I mean, the main reason is because it's supposedly a concept album, and they kind of wanted to put like tr- long transitions that are very sound effect laden between each track. Um, but honestly, like between the bursts of like spaghetti western riffs and uh and just regular really, spaghetti riffs or just yeah. really quirky aesthetics mostly riffs and instrument <laughs> instrumentation there's a lot of like synth overlaid transition but um the one album reviewing website the aquarium weekly called it a very heavyweight fight for a listener to get through and gave it a real bad rating um but, I mean, I, I disagree. There's some really brilliant tracks on the album, um, but I would agree that you could probably skip, fast-forward through a lot of sections of that album. Um, but, so, it opens with Cygnus, Visman, Cygnus, which is the opening track. Um, mostly instrumental, but, you know, starts off strong and then winds down, but then it gets into the next song, The Widow, which is mostly, like, the most single-like song on the record. There is a radio-edited version that's pared down. That's really the only song that I would say is radio-playable. Cassandra Gemini was also a notable track for them on the record. Um, but just like uh, D. Laus in the Comatorium, they had uh, some Red Hot Chili Peppers on there. 
So in the song Elia, John Frusciante plays guitar solos, which are really, really, really good, like face melting solos. Um, and that, but then the song winds down to like synth voiced murmurs and spaghetti Western riffs. Um, that song could Whiffs. easily be cut down like by two minutes. There's I think so, it's like a six. There's so much pasta on this album. <laughs> it, is. it is, yeah. Um, and then it goes into Miranda, that ghost just isn't holy anymore which starts off very, very slow as well. Um, Flea ends up playing trumpet on that one and also on the previous track, Elia. Flea plays trumpet? <laughs> yeah. Wow, what a yeah. journeyman. <laughs> um, that, but Miranda, that ghost just isn't holy anymore, opens with a bird whistling loop that is very oh annoying that people <laughs> oh really God. do not like. But then opens up into Gee, the spaghetti western right. trumpet provided by Flea. Um, then it, you know, transitions into Cassandra Gemini, which is a doozy of a song. There's so much going on in this one. It does have like really catchy drums, um, but yeah, just very very long uh, track there. But the overall theme of it was hashed out by Omar, um, and then he worked separately with each band member um like the drummer initially to lay down the backbone for the album and a lot of the band members didn't agree specifically the pianist didn't like that approach that they you know he worked with them separately rather than everybody collaboratively mm. um but they kind of rework songs after you know playing the tracks together anyways like as any artist would you know evolve the the music mm -hmm. before they you know produce it for the album um <clears throat> then um, from Cassandra Gemini it leads into Tranchism, which is has more good you know guitar solos that are face melting. But then from there, it just kind of devolves into a fevered dream uh, of quick guitar riffs and discord and piano. Um, it ends fairly strong with the last three tracks, but they are very long and a lot of skippable parts in there that you could fast forward through. Yeah, so I, I wanted to ask. Um... Uh, do you feel like what's the proportion of non-musical stuff to actual song content? Like 50-50. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's that's, like a, it's like a hip hop album with too many skits in between. Yeah, that's why <laughs> you know a lot of people say it's very unlistenable to so. Yeah. I still enjoy it for, you know, it's moments of brilliance. At what point in the album when you're listening to it do you feel do you start to feel that fatigue if you're like listening just straight through? Probably by like the First fourth song. track, Miranda, that ghost just isn't holy anymore. Uh -huh. That bird whistling loop is real <laughs> fast forwardable. You really want to reach it's for like that a button. mid game boss that you just can't, <laughs> you just keeps killing you. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, but that's really all I have for that album. Um, to just don't want to brush on it for too long. You may want to just check out a few tracks. Um, like I stated previously, The Widow, really, is the one, and Cassandra Gemini. Think I've
other than that, my runner-up was um, Sufjan Stevens' album, Illinois, Oof. which is yeah. also like an hour and 15 minutes and 22 songs. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's a brilliant album. It's very well-researched, you yeah. know, a lot of thought and care and attention to detail go into that album from the research he does to the instrumentals to the backup chorus mm -hmm. it's just a whole beautiful production but so about sweet. halfway through that album you're like okay mm -hmm. can i make can i make it through <laughs> all right <laughs> there are some like really great um songs on that album where you start listening to them in the like first two minutes you're like ah oh, this is great and then minute three and four hits and you're like all right, this is still going. Yeah. 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 Okay. Do you remember when Sufjan was like, I'm going to make uh, an album for each of the 50 states? Yes. And oh, then, yeah. And then he did two, I think? Yeah. yeah. He did Michigan and Illinois. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he never got out of the Midwest. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he'll work on them later. You never know. No. no or maybe he's well. he like, no that was a way. terrible There's idea. No I'm done. Way. He will not do it. No. There's already enough shit about California. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. All right. Speaking of moving on, yes. Sasha, you ready? I guess, yeah. Um, so I'm picking an album from this year. Um, I am picking uh, Father of the Bride by Vampire Weekend. Ooh, that's such a good pick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so long. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I wonder if it's like it's so long because we waited so long for it, but I don't know. Um, I, I love it, of course. I think it's brilliant. There are parts, though, that just feel really long like I feel like I've only sat through one li like listened to it straight through once I feel like every t like the first time I listened to it I feel like I broke it up and over like a few days and it just took me some time to get get through and um it's not, not to say that it wasn't enjoyable at first listen it's just like I was like oh this is really like a lot longer than I anticipated I'm gonna take some time and and then I've you know I feel like I'll only listen to it a couple times um but I mean, I do have a lot of favorites from it. I think it's, um, what I really like about it is that like tonally it's pretty consistent. Um, there are like some songs that feel kind of almost tropical and then some songs that feel sort of country. And like I was listening to, Ezra was on a podcast called Keep It that I love. Um, and he was talking about the album, he was talking about that he was listening to a lot of country while he was writing it. And there's certain songs that, remind me a lot of country songs. I can't remember exactly which ones, but <laughs> I was listening to it this morning. I feel like um, like How Long kind of reminded me a little bit, and there's a few others with some, like that country-western guitar that you hear sometimes. Now I'm the ghost of Christmas past. The only choice you gave to me is one I took reluctantly. Because when we played democracy, you always take immunity. Also, I feel like it, it feels sort of like, I think they're really good in general at like doing like spiritual, uh, singing about spirituality in almost like a tongue-in-cheek way. Like there's a lot of that in this album like they talk about like late December and Christmas a lot and like Christ and my Christian heart and stuff mm -hmm. um so I feel like again like it's it seems very consistent in a lot of ways like lyrically especially um but 
like I feel like in particular the three songs with Daniel Heim um, could just completely like be pushed off this <laughs> album for me. Like honestly, they're the songs that I like the least, and I, I think that they're good. Like they're they're like um, the vocals. I love I love harmony and stuff. So it, those are really good. And in general, I think this album has a lot of great harmony. But yeah, those songs just don't do it for me. Like. I get that he he said that he wanted to write like duets because it's something he's never really done before, and I think they're good, but like I just don't really think they have a place on this album for me. Like they could have just been on their like own EP, and that would have been fine. But I don't yeah, know. called the this is an essential EP. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's, yeah, like what? Sorry, what were you saying? there's 18 tracks on there, so if they paired yeah. three off there, I don't think anybody would. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the album is like it's I think it's 58 minutes long, mm-hmm. so it's almost an hour. Um, and it, it feels like it to me. Um, so yeah, like I, I love it. There's some songs like I love Bambina, uh, sympathy is a really good one. I love sympathy a lot, especially cause it feels like it has like almost this like Spanish guitar feel, which I really mm-hmm. like. Harmony Hall. You know, we talked we've talked about that song before, I think, mm-hmm. and just has such a great feel, great sound. Um but yeah, I I I love it, of course. I just think especially after like the amazingness of modern vampires, probably like my front to back that yeah. album is perfect in my opinion. Such a succinct, perfect album. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like that that's probably why it also feels a little long. It just feels like we got something so like compact and perfect, and then this just kind of felt a little drawn out in some places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I have to share uh, a personal story. So last night I had a dream, a very odd dream, um, that I was at a festival, and so I've never seen Vampire Weekend in concert in mm-hmm. my real life nor in my dream life. And so I was at a festival, and I'm standing there in the crowd waiting to see Vampire Weekend, and I'm like on the verge of crying. Like I felt this in my dream. <laughs> I was just like this overwhelming amount of emotion. And then their drummer comes out, and I was like, I didn't feel much. And in my dream, Ezra came out in, like, footy pajamas. And then, like, there was a banner of the festival behind, you know, their setup. And he laid down on the ground and, like, rolled into the banner, which pulled the banner down, revealing the Father of the Bride album artwork. And then I, like, full on in my dream, like, started crying. You wept. Yeah, I wept. Um, There was no musical performance in the dream, but it was, like, it it was pretty realistic up until the footy pajamas and rolling on the banner. But um, honestly, not... That's within the realm of believability of like, hey, I went to this Vampire Weekend show last night. Ezra came out in yeah. footy pajamas. He'd be like, yeah, okay. I don't know if I feel like I'm almost certain he has played in footy pajamas before, or at least <laughs> yeah. like at least like a full like full like a onesie. Yeah, onesie. Yeah. I swear, I feel like he has. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> it was a very strange, strange, strange dream. But apparently, I have a deep desire to see Vampire Weekend. Yeah, yeah you right. learned something about yourself. Yeah, yeah there you <laughs> go. so did we. Well, I guess you have to see them. <laughs> and I woke up. I woke up with a raging heart on. It was, it was <laughs> crazy. Uh, no, but I agree. I, I think what what rubs me along, like I think "Hold You Now," which is one of the duets with uh, Daniel Heim, mm-hmm. um, is a good album opener. 
but mm-hmm. um, Married in a Gold Rush and We Belong Together just sounds so, they're so cutesy. Yeah, they um, are. And like, keep one. Keep one, lose the other. I agree, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, I get what they were trying to do with having three, to have it sort of close, like, the story, I guess, mm-hmm. that is embedded in this album, but... Yeah, I just, I agree. I feel like they're both really similar and, like, don't feel like different songs to me. Like, they blend together so much that it, it's, like, they're so forgettable for me. Yeah, and I, I did this. I think I've maybe listened to it straight through twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, it feels like, it, it feels easy enough to break it up into, like, mm-hmm. movements almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it is, it is a long album. Yeah, there are some brilliant moments on that album for sure, but, yeah. I, I don't have a lot of time, guys. Come on. There's <laughs> right. so much music Sasha's that we're busy. bombarded with, yeah. but, like, come on. Get us in and out. Four, four minute albums, yeah. guys. All righty. That was Father of the Bride. Jillian, mm-hmm. what do you got for us? Hello. Mm, hi. I took a different interpretation of this topic Uh-oh. since I couldn't think of anything that long. And then as you both mentioned, <laughs> perfect <laughs> suggestions. <laughs> I'm kicking myself in the ass. Anyway, um, so it's fall now and it's time for my very favorite album of all time. And when I think of it, I can only listen to the entire album. I really can't listen to just one song mm-hmm. off of it. Mm-hmm. So the time commitment when you listen to it is very long. Thanks. I can't just listen to one song because it's a perfect album and it goes like the order that it's set up in is so perfect. So this is my suggestion is In the Aeroplane Over the Sea by Neutral Milk Hotel. <sighs> the most perfect album so ever much. written. Oh. It is so great so good. it is emotional it is um just a masterpiece mm-hmm. in my mind i was lucky enough to um see them play three times i saw oh jeff Mangum play solo jeff magnum it's not magnum <laughs> no it's, it's magnum, magnum pi it's not <laughs> hey, he was named after magnum pi oh you're the worst <laughs> jeff magnum pi that's his name <laughs> I'm going to stick my legal team on you. (laughs) You're going to regret the day that you were born. I'm done. (laughs) No explanation. I'm kidding. I owe it to this band to continue. (laughs) And to our five listeners. Despite my chicanery. (laughs) Um, Every single song on this album is perfect for a number of reasons. Um, But there are a lot of, like, musical interludes that, like, the cult following that this band has... That even when they play it live, people sing along with the horns, yeah. and mm-hmm. I think that's really perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like which I, which must be delightful for the people not singing along with the horns. Because they're <laughs> stupid. <laughs> <laughs> if you get a chance to sing along with a horn Blah! and don't take it, you're dumb. <laughs> yeah. Horn, horn. 
Born. Yeah. <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> it's so great. There's like 20 people on stage every single time they yeah. play. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've seen them three times. And then last year, I want to say, or two years ago, uh, Jeff Mangum will release art still on their website, mm. um, like illustrations and stuff, um, and released a special edition, I think, of In the Aeroplane, or um, they have like a really good like vinyl pack. Mm-hmm. And started releasing posters in them, and in the al- like in the artwork, it said LP two mm-hmm. written through it. Mm-hmm. So we might get another one. Well, LP two is in the airplane. No, what do you yeah. mean? Or maybe LP three then? Yeah, because on Avery Island is yeah. the first one. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but could you imagine like putting out the best album ever in 1998. Pitchfork then, would explode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They would just like, like in would, Portlandia, you, they you'd... would shut down their computers and be like, you're done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'd be, you'd be like www.pit and then your explain your screen would just shatter. It just explode mm-hmm. and shards of glass would fly into your yeah. face and you'd yeah, be like, exactly. it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're not worthy. <laughs> Where we're going, we don't need eyes because we just need ears to listen to LP3. Yes. Mm. Mm. Incredible. Yeah, so that is my favorite album that's long in terms of commitment because you can't really just pick a favorite. Or if I do, if I do have like a craving to listen to one of the specific songs, I'll listen to it and then I'll just start the album from the top and yeah. listen to it all the way through. I can feel that. But my favorite songs I think on the album are naturally Two Headed Boy, mm-hmm. Communist Daughter, and Oh Comely. You love ghosts too. Yes. Ghosts one of my favorites. Um, I love. Did I forget to say that? I think I did. But that's you also forgot. King of Carrot I was gonna say that. I'm picking my favorite. That's my favorite. The entire (laughs) album is my favorite. But parts one or two, all of it. All of it. Parts one. Parts one, two, and three. The second song is two and three. I oh, think, it is two and oh, three. Right. Yeah, right. That's when you know it's too long of mm-hmm. an album where they're like, we have too many tracks. We need <laughs> yeah. to s- pair this Spoosh into one them track. Together, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I Jam think, it in there. I think Ghost has been my favorite l- for the longest period of time. You fly in thunder clouds above the city into one that I love with all that was left within me until Because it switches up every time I listen to it. I'm like, ah, this song is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've ever taken a real deep dive into their discography, they released a few scattered songs before mm-hmm. and after that album. 
And my favorite song of theirs of all time is called Oh Sister. Oh sister, don't be afraid of me. I won't be nailing you down in the nursery just like the rest of them did with those watery wandering fingers of spit that were supposed to be glorious and fine. Oh sister, won't you believe in me? I only wanted to be hard on the family here. And they released it a few years ago. I think you can find it on Spotify now. Mm -hmm. But the best recording is a live one from like 99. And it's on YouTube and it's really great. Are they from those recording sessions? I think so. But but for a really long time, Oh Sister was just a live version that someone like (laughs) (laughs) recorded there and then like uploaded to YouTube with a picture in the background because video As you and do. phones yeah. were not a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Nice. Um, what was I going to ask? Oh, have you heard uh, Amanda Palmer's cover of Two-Headed Boy? No, and I don't know if I want to. It's pretty good. Is it? I mean, regardless of how you feel about Amanda Palmer, she has an interesting voice. I go back voice. and forth with her. Um, yeah, she did, uh, I think she did it for AV, AV Club Undercover. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I, I think. Um, don't quote me on that. Uh, but okay. yeah, it, it exists somewhere. It, it's good. It's. I mean, it's a. It's a pretty straightforward cover, and and my opinion of covers is usually, if you're gonna cover a song, do something different with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like her voice in and of itself does something different with it because she has that such that like perform like a like stagey baroque mm-hmm. voice. Um, I think it's worth listening to. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay. Now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Report on it immediately. On it later. <laughs> um. <clears throat> all right. Well, I guess it's my turn. Julianne. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think we're all going back to, like, the early 2000s, um, or except for Sasha, who for my stayed <laughs> this year, which was... Quirky ass. Val- I don't know why I'm dumbass kidding. Um, so That's I'm right. going to talk about... Uh, oh God, this album's so long. Um, it, everything about this album is too is so extra and overloaded, um, but it's Bright Eyes, uh, Lifted, mm. or The Stories in the Soil, Keep Your Ear to the Ground. This album literally has gives you two <laughs> options... <laughs> For titles, yeah. because bright eyes, and <laughs> fucking lip like the lifted part is in all caps. So the way it's written on the album is all nice. caps lifted, all lowercase or, and then uh, title capitalization. The stories in the soil, comma keep your ear to the ground. That's fucking so hell. Um, this album was released in two thousand two. It's Bright Eyes' third album, and it clocks in. It's weird. It's only thirteen tracks, yeah. but it's an hour and thirteen minutes. Jeez, an wild. hour and goddamn thirteen minutes. <laughs> um, I think that that runtime is significantly augmented by the opening and closing tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, the opening track is eight forty two, and the closing track is ten oh seven. But unlike uh, Francis the Mute majority of this is music time. Um, there's mm. maybe a minute on the first track and a couple of minutes on the second track that are like effects and or not effects, but just like kind of field recordings. Mm. Um, but yeah, like uh, the last track, which is called again, a very extra <laughs> title. Uh, <laughs> Let's not shit ourselves parentheses to love and to be loved. Um, it, that's the 10 minute track and a solid eight minutes and 30 seconds of it uh, is, is song. Oh God, there's just so much in this album. Um, so this came out, uh, like I said, 2002, uh, Connor Oberst was 22 years old when oh, it was released. Um, and at that point, he had been making music for eight years. Um, he started <laughs> recording music on a four track in his bedroom when he was 14. Nice. Um, and there are 25 people credited as contributing to this album. What? 25 oh. 
individual souls contributed <laughs> to this album, um, including but not limited to Mike Mogus, who is kind of the Saddle Creek producer extraordinaire. Um, he produced a lot of Bright Eyes albums. He produced a lot of Faint albums. He produced mm-hmm. a lot of Cursive albums. Um, you've got Jenny Lewis on there doing um, some choral background vocals, mm-hmm. as well as I think it's her voice. There's like this opening... It's sort of a skit, but it's it's just like the recording of two people conversing in a car. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's Jenny Lewis's voice. I, I'm not entirely sure. Um, you've also got Blake Sennett, who is the guitarist for Rilo Kiley, um, and Greta Cohen, who is the cellist for Cursive. Um, um, in a 2002 interview, Oberst was quoted as saying, it's the most enormous production I've worked on as far as arrangements and scope. And just fucking sheer length, Connor. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but it's it's such a journey. I mean, if you've ever listened to a Bright Eyes song, like he is not someone who writes about superficial pursuits. Um, this album specifically, um, as you know, uh, a just exhaustive memoir of life as a 21-year-old artist, is about a lot of self-reflection and mm-hmm. his future and... Um, like his perceived sincerity. I guess there was a lot of, like around Fevers and Mirrors, there was a lot of criticism lobbied at him about how he was just kind of faking it and like it wasn't really this deep. He was just kind of like posturing as this like intellectual. Mm-hmm. Um, and he calls into question his own sincerity and authenticity a lot throughout the album. Um, I have very specific memories of listening to this out, like a very specific context under which I listened to this album. Um, I did not hear it when it first came out. Um, I listened to it a lot in the year following um, graduating from high school in 2003. Mm. Um, so the album was a couple years old. And I, uh, I just started smoking weed for the first time. <laughs> and I would drive around in my car and find a low-key place to park in suburban Redondo Beach. And I would get drive through fast food, and I would just get ripping high and just listen to this album straight through <laughs> in the dark of a Redondo Beach suburb. Um, or I would be with my friend Jake, who sort of kind of got me into weed, and uh, we would listen to it. Um, dozens of times I did this. Um, I know this album so well. Um, it's one of those albums that like I could go a decade without listening to it and go back and r- probably remember most of the lyrics mm-hmm. and most of its little foibles and eccentricities. Um, <laughs> it does that thing a couple times where like, well, one song in specific where there's just a, a mic on in the recording studio and you hear footsteps leading up and then I love that. him opening the door of the studio, closing the door of the studio, sitting down, settling, picking up his guitar, um, and then he starts to play a song. Um, it just gives you a really uh, physical sense of place. Um, it's a really textural album. There's a lot of, uh, I mean, obviously with the number of people on it, there's it, there's really lush arrangements. There's very stripped down acoustic songs. Um, Lover I Don't Have to Love has some digital stuff to it. Um, yeah. Uh, but the point on the album where I start to get fatigued is uh, nine songs in. It's called Make War. It's kind of a bleak 
very depressing song. Um, it's like really dark and moody. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of a slog to get through. It's like it's just over six minutes. Um, but then that segues into the kind of the final movement of the album, which is super pretty. Like there's a couple of very orchestral songs on it. And then the aforementioned uh, closing track, Let's Not Shit Ourselves to Love and to Be Loved, is just this really rollicking kind of country rock tune. And it opens with Connor Oberst. Uh, requesting, uh, quote, a goddamn timpani roll for this goddamn song. To start this goddamn song, tonight, here's a goddamn song. For all you goddamn people. It's just super energetic. Um, yeah, really fun song, despite having some kind of fucked up imagery in it. Um, that's about all I'd say on the album. Um, it's great, but it's just everything about it is so overblown. And uh, I think a lot of people refer to it as what happens when an artist is given a budget and <laughs> no one says no to him, mm-hmm. um, which can sometimes be a real disaster. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think this this album definitely holds up. So just a couple things that I want to announce formally uh, to our listeners. Uh, Two things. With our busy lives, our busy busy urban, youthful, trendy, glamorous lives, Mm -hmm. um, we had formally tried to make a decision to go weekly, but that turned out to not be viable. Um, So we are sticking firmly to bi-weekly now. We will come out with episodes twice a month. Um, They're going to be a little bit longer, probably. Um, We were trying to shoot originally for like the 40 or 30, 45 minute mark, but they're probably closer to an hour now. Um, We will have a couple of special Eps coming up in the near future um, that we yeah. might release, um, you know, subsequently week to week. Um, but for the most part, um, you can rely on our programming scheduling uh, programming schedule rather being um, twice a month, every other week. Um, the other thing is, uh, I think we should settle on songs for the week. W E A K as the segment title, so I can stop fucking it up. Um, yes. <laughs> so without further ado, let's get into songs. For the week. Uh, Jillian, why don't you start us off? I'd love to. (laughs) I really anticipated that vibe. Um, My song for the week, W-E-A-K, is Not by Big Thief. Nor the clouds on the ceiling, nor the clouds in space. It's not the phone on the table. What 
It's not you, Julian, I'll tell you that much. It sure ain't. Um, it's from their new album, Two Hands. And I recently told Julian that I have to find a ticket on the black market for that show because I really mm-hmm. done goofed on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's incredible. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. It's such what? a good song. It's so solid. So this is Big Thief's second LP of 2019. Can you imagine? And it's not as if they're the like, like, I mean, mm-hmm. n- nothing against the OCs, mm-hmm. another very, very prolific indie rock band. Mm-hmm. But they play like this very ramshackle, like you know, garage rock. Big Thief's music is so like intricate and ornate. Like, how do you fucking churn out two LPs in one year? And they're both incredible. Like, how? Yeah. How? None of them like um, Two Hands doesn't sound like a follow up album of B sides to UFO. Not at right, all. right. Mm. It's just like a second solid ass album. It, mm-hmm. it sounds like an album that came three years after UFO. Yeah. Yeah. Of, of a band that was like, totally. you know, UFO was like really sensitive and meditative and mm-hmm. contemplative. And now we want something that's a little more raw, a little yeah. more rock. Mm-hmm. Fucking God. hell. Yeah. Incredible. Adrian Linker is just a force she's to be not reckoned even real. with. Like, she's not real. And she's <laughs> found like the she's perfect a partners. Yeah. Um, Buck Meek is a lunatic, but <laughs> imagine meeting such a good collaborator and to just like stick it out. Yeah. And yeah. make it happen. Yeah. Both of them. He's a very talented lizard man. Yes. <laughs> a what neck. a neck. So yeah. much neck. Yeah. What a neck on that guy. Um, yeah. Before the recording session, we were watching uh, their live performance of Not on and Colbert. Colbert. Oh, nice. It was an amazing performance. <sighs> nice. Um, I realized for the first time, despite having seen them live, that their drummer looks 9,800% like Brett Gelman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, their, their bassist also. Uh, looks a little bit like Florida rapper Riff Raff, which is a, a, a startling thing to see in that band. Um, but yeah, if, if you haven't uh, seen that performance, listeners, listen um, to it. Look it up on the YouTube because it's it's really astounding. Mm-hmm. That fucking her uh, her singing that song. Oh God, so good, incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sasha, what do you got for us this week? <clears throat> um, I've recommended this band before. I'm just recommending it again, them again, because their album just came out recently, and we just saw them recently, me and Mike. Um, so I'm recommending "You'll Need a Backseat Driver" by the New Pornographers. I've heard you get lots of mileage out of the speed of sound. It's how we tracked you down. what I have to really say about it. It's just a really good song. I like, it's a good opening track. Um, this is off their new album? Yes, this is off the new album in Mor- Morse Code of the Brake Lights. Yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's a really good, like, classic Nico vocals. Um, great harmonies as always. Uh, it has like a, it starts real slow and then it has this like very like, um, the second chorus, I guess, is like fast and like driving force behind it, it feels yeah, it's a really good song, and the album has like really grown on me mm-hmm. over several listens. Like, it's it's really good. Um, mm-hmm. Highly recommend that album. Yeah, I um, I'm paraphrasing something from the Pitchfork review, but they said that it's like um, 
uh, doom and gloom dance party. Yes, like totally. an apocalyptic totally. dance party. Totally, which I totally, totally. feel. I can absolutely see that, yeah. Um, I feel like they're really good at that. I feel like they do that a lot. They can. They have those like power pop songs, and then sometimes those really kind of like in, like intimate, almost vulnerable. Like um, Carl Newman is really good at writing those types of lyrics. So, yeah, highly recommend. Nice new pornos, and you and you guys saw them recently. Band. Yeah, we saw mm-hmm. them a couple weeks ago. How many times Kivik. is this for you? I think this is my fifth time now. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, I love that band, man. Oh, it was a great show because it was like a perfect mix of new and old songs. Yeah, they played like some songs they song, haven't played in a song, long new song, time. Old song, mm-hmm. new, new, old, old. Is yeah. it nice? They played some they haven't played in years. Like, yeah, I was really surprised at their closing track. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that must be really fun to fun and kind of intimidating to have such a, a vast discography and yeah, then to right. form a you know hour and a half, two hour set list. Mm-hmm. What's crazy is like the new stuff sounds like any of their other stuff yeah but totally it's, it's just so good a little more refined but it's still you can still you still know it's that band yeah, I love yeah. That. always has their dna in it mm-hmm. yeah cool mm-hmm. michael uh mine's a band that i had mentioned before as uh i think one of my favorite openers the dodos mm. uh they just released a new, a new single mm-hmm. this week uh, called The Atlantic, which is very explicit about the Atlantic Ocean. The being a metaphor and things of that nature because the band uh is very artsy and deep (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah it's a really good song um it's more so they do folky and indie synth kind of songs popular songs um but this one is more on the folky side Mm -hmm. um it's a longer song at almost five minutes, but wow, that's pretty still, long for them. Yeah, yeah I still, them. I still enjoy it. It's good. I'm looking forward to uh, a new album. album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah, and their other new release this summer was it was popular and really, really good. Nice. Looks. What's the song called again? Uh, the old one was no, called the Surface. Uh, Surface. The new one is the called one. The Atlantic. The Atlantic. So, yeah, maybe they're going to release an entire concept album about a freaking ocean. It's to be called Wavy Boys. <laughs> We're the Dodos. Dodo birds, women. Um, so this week I'm going to... There's just been a lot of releases, so and, mm-hmm. and a few of which I still feel like I need to get really deep into. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is from an album that came out this year a little while ago. It's uh, The song is called Peace Out by J-Som. No from her 2019 album Anakko. 
Um, Anako translates to my child in Tagalog. And um, I, I actually learned something researching this song today, um, which is that Tagalog is the number two language of the Philippines mm. versus being Filipino, which I didn't realize that was a language unto itself. Yeah. That aside, um, the song is about um, kind of extracting yourself from a toxic relationship and then having to sort of reconcile the uh, remainder negative feelings, mm. um, uh, hence the title, Peace Out. Um yeah, it's about um, kind of reflecting on all the bad ways uh, that a bad relationship can kind of uh, sap your energy and emotion from you. Yeah. Um, but it's also about um, learning to forgive, and then if you're unable to forgive, at least being able to kind of pull yourself up out of a negative thought spiral that sometimes reflecting on those relationships can cause. Mm-hmm. Um, the song is very emblematic of the emotional journey that the speaker goes through. Um, it starts out as this kind of like dark brooding, um, droney meditation, um, where the speaker is kind of reflecting on the kind of hyper specifics of this bad relationship and the amount of effort that it took to try and make it work. Um, and then it like explodes into this kind of like repeating coda where she continue like keeps repeating, um, won't you try, won't you try to forgive, won't you try, won't you try to be anyone else, um, where she doesn't want to be this person who's stuck in this, you know, negative ideation about this relationship, and she wants to move on from it, but it, it's really hard to pull yourselves, pull yourself out of those thoughts sometimes, especially if you were really involved in someone, um, but it's a great performance, uh, the vocals are really pretty, the instrumentation is aggressive, but, like, I don't know. Smooth? Still pull, yeah. 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 Smooth yeah. is a really good word for her style. Yeah. 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 Because as she grows and starts putting out more music, I've just noticed that she's like geared toward this more groovy vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, like it sounds like something that would have been put out in the 60s or 70s that yep. became yeah. like an underground cult classic that people just like happen to have in their record collections mm-hmm. and know all the words to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But yeah, but but within <clears throat> that sort of vibe, you know, finding places to stretch her, stretch her legs, as right. it were. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying this new album. I, I was a little lukewarm on JSOM. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, the smoothness of her oeuvre was, <laughs> j- just didn't, illicit feeling from me but mm-hmm. I this song is uh, it's pleasant but mm-hmm. then once you dig deeper you see that there's there's a lot of depth to it um, and I'm enjoying getting into it gradually so yeah that's Peace Out by J-Song nice nice and with that guys girls guys everything yeah. in between we did it for another two weeks Yay. hooray for us Hooray for Hollywood, hooray for Chicago, hooray for Montreal. Um, before we go, um, as always, we'd like to thank Josh Stanley of the band Modaf uh, for our theme song. Um, if you yeah. want to find out more about Modaf, you can find them at Modaf, M-O-D-A-F-F dot bandcamp dot com. Uh, you can find us Squidward in the uh, building. <laughs> Squidward, SpongeBob. Um, if you want to find us, you can find us on Instagram at dybepod, and you can e- email us electronically. Mail us at dybepod at gmail dot com. Um, Jillian, do you want to plug your comedy stuff at all? Oh sure, actually, we have a new show coming up. 
I'm Yay. part of a comedy duo called Barb and Deb. And Barb and Deb. We're, we play two Midwestern moms at the 4 a.m. community access time slot. <laughs> it's a hot slot. In mm-hmm. Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's kind of fun, kind of funny, and we have a holiday show coming up on December 12th. I believe it's a Thursday night. So December 12th, Ooh. Chicago, Illinois, Second City, Old Town, New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> New York City. <laughs> The land of opportunity. The big Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> the big Wendy's. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you're a Chicago native, come down and see Jillian at her comedy show. It's very funny. Do yeah. it. The characters are very good. Funny. Yeah, we got a chance so nice. to see uh, one funny. of her early runs, and it was great. <laughs> We're so proud. We laughed, we didn't cry, and then we laughed some more. <laughs> and then we left. And then we left, yeah, because the, the show was Because <laughs> we had to leave. <laughs> Live, laugh, and leave. Live, That's what I always say. Live, laugh, and leave. And on that note, have a good day. Yay. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Mike, I want that in a back patch on the back of my (laughs) jean jacket. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Live, laugh, leave. Are you fucking kidding me? How has no one thought of that? That's perfect. That's brilliant. That's perfect. (laughs) Shit. You should create it. Make it for our Etsy shop. Yeah, make it. And I want to buy it. Make it for our Etsy shop. All right. Live, laugh, leave. Holy shit, I love that. (laughs) 